0: Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. If we haven't met before, my name is Laura. I am a part of the team here at Lang Valley Vineyard. And it is such a delight to be here with you this morning, sitting at this part of the gathering, as we go throughout what God has for us this morning in his scriptures. If you are joining with us online, good morning, good afternoon, whatever time that you're catching up, it is so good to have us all here together. If you are joining with us for the first time maybe this morning online or maybe the first time here in the venue we are in part three of a sermon series that we are in in psalm 23 and every week we take a different line and we just ask god what he is saying about that and then we chat about that together so this morning we're going to be doing that we're going to be following along with psalm 23 and we are rooting ourselves in this scripture to see what god has not only for us today but as we go throughout even our devotional materials as we take time in our wakes to listen to what God has to say. So if you do have a Bible with you, or you have your phone, you're at home and you have your Bible with you, or you just want to read, it also will come up on the screen. There's so many ways that you could read this this morning, but I'm also going to read it um, out loud, and I've just realized that I don't have that up on my computer. So Psalm 23, I'll give you a minute to go and get it while I go and get it as well. You can just take this in, you can close your eyes, you can listen to what the Father's saying, you can read along. But I'm gonna read it this morning. Um, So let's just take some time to invite Jesus into what he has to say through Psalm 23. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence as we listen to your scripture. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows, and surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus, we give you full permission this morning to come and to speak to us as we root ourselves in your scripture, in your word. May we know your voice May we know your, your ways, Father, as we learn to do that as well. We just take a moment to say, come, Holy Spirit. Come and make these words alive in my life and in my heart. And we pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. The last 13 months have well and truly changed who we are it has changed how we socialise, it's changed how we attend church. Did you ever think that you would ever have to book a ticket to come to church? It is so bizarre. It has shaken for some of us, it has shaken our finances, our jobs. For some people, they're still on furlough at this point. And it has shaken our worldviews. Everything that we think about has kind of changed through this lens. Not only COVID, but I feel like the news in the last like 13 months has just been wild. Like every time you turn it on, you're like, what is happening? And if I was at home with my dad, he would say, the whole world has gone mad, Laura. That's all he says all the time. But not only that, but we have graved the separation of our family units as we have been in and out of lockdowns. For some of us in the room, you have lost loved ones. You are still caring for loved ones who are sick. And it has been a really, really difficult year in so many ways and although there have been beautiful moments in it as well we have gained perspective we have gained all of those things but i guarantee you if you sat down with anyone in this room and i get the privilege of being able to talk with you all so regularly but if you sat down with anyone in this room or anyone in your life they would have a story to tell you about this year of what it has felt for them, of what it has felt like through their lens, of their faith, how they've connected with God in it, how they've maybe disconnected with God in it, that each and every single one of us have not only a journey of faith from this year, but just our journey of life. It has been one of those years that we will all look back on and think, that was a defining moment. I don't know if you have found yourself asking the question, God, where are you in the midst of this? God, are we still on the same path? And I don't know if you have found it difficult to find God in this season, but as we reflect on Psalm 23, we are gonna be talking about the past, or just the part where it says, he guides my paths for his name's sake. So we're talking about that this morning. God, are we still on the same path? For so many of us, COVID is not the first time or the last time that we have felt our lives unravelling. The moment where we feel like life just left from beneath us. Maybe you've had that phone call with tragic news, an unexpected diagnosis, the loss of a job, a difficult or wrong choice, and the whole fabric of your life felt like it was unravelling without your control. And truth be told, we have all had those moments when we felt like everything just was out of our control and we just thought, What is happening? God, are we still on the same path? The path that maybe you thought that you were on has somehow changed, and here we are in this new terrain with none of the right equipment. Like a backpacker in the North Pole, only to find out out that you only have a beach towel and a swimsuit in your backpack. You are in this new terrain. You're unsure how to be in it. How do you feel? When the path suddenly changes direction, what do you do? Now each of us will have our own ways of how we respond to that. I know even for me and Pete, we are very, very different people. He's very calm and I'm very like, oh my goodness, let's think about all of the things that could possibly go wrong and all the things that we need to do. And he's like, that is just way too much for me. Let's just go into separate rooms and you can think about that on your own. And we are just really, really different when it comes to like, So I don't know what you're like. I don't know how you process the things that are happening in your life. What do you do when the path suddenly changes? As we reflect on Psalm 23 this morning, I want to jump between two pieces of scripture and that is Psalm 23, but also in 1 Kings 19. You might want to turn to that in your Bible, but don't feel any pressure to do that because I'm going to tell you a bit of the story anyway. But in 1 Kings 19, it is about the story of Elijah. And as I um, sat this week, and as I asked God what to prepare, this is what the scripture that came to me in my spirit, and I'm actually really excited to share with you this morning what I feel like God is doing as we look at Psalm 23, but we look at how, what happens in scriptures whenever people's paths completely change. What is their reaction? What is God's reaction? And how we can learn from that together. I'm not sure if you have ever read or heard the story of Elijah in 1 Kings, but I'm going to break it down in total layman's terms this morning, so um, don't be thinking that I'm going to just read the whole story from the Bible. But Elijah was kind of like a big deal in his time. He was a prophet, and he was a man who God worked through. He was a part of the prophets in the northern kingdom of Israel, and at the time, whenever he was there, there were two rulers, and these rulers were called Ahab and Jezebel. And they encouraged, Ahab and Jezebel encouraged everyone within their land to worship um, the God of Baal. And Elijah was totally against this. And he thought, do you know what? To make sure that we know what God is right, I'm going to set up a bit of a contest. They don't use that word in the Bible, but that's what it kind of sounds like. And they have two altars, and then they set up an altar for Baal, and they set up an altar for God. And then they call on the gods to see which one will come and kind of show his... his, um, his life through this altar now rulers dictated everything at the time your finances your taxes your education cultural experiences so it was really important how they kind of seen life through their lens and what god that they wanted to worship and how this impacted your life around and underneath these rulers so what happens is they set up these two altars and they call upon them and as you can probably tell our God comes in and he has this massive pillar of fire. And Elijah's like, this is amazing. This is am- I knew that he would come through. I knew that this would work. But this causes like a real tension between these two parties, the parties of God, the people who wanted to follow God, and the parties of Baal. Now, I'm really going to focus on the next part of the story, what kind of happens with Elijah after that. But after this, Jezebel and Ahab were probably pretty embarrassed. <laughs> they really thought this was going to happen. They were pretty mad. And to get out of their spotlight, Elijah um, flees to a different town because they, they were in like a bit of a murderous rage and they were going after Elijah and he thought I should probably flee from here. So he goes to another town and um, within this he just starts to feel really fatigued and really discouraged he was really alone and really distraught. And what he thought was gonna precede this amazing act of God was not what he thought. So it says in the scripture that he fled for his life and he wandered into the wilderness. So beaten by the storms of this life that he gave up. And it says that he goes into the wilderness and he finds a tree to take refuge. And he cries out to the Lord, Lord, I have had enough. You can just, t- just take my life, I've had enough. This current situation that I thought we were in, where we were kind of journeying together, I've had enough, I'm tired. I feel like I've no other place to turn to. This is not the path that I thought we were on. I wonder, have you ever felt like that, that feeling of being completely overwhelmed by a situation that you are in, where you say, God, I've just had enough, I'm tired. How are we even on the same path? It says that he goes in. Now, this is the part that we're going to kind of focus on. That here he's in the wilderness. He finds the tree. He falls asleep. And while he is asleep, an angel of the Lord appears to him. And he says, the angel then says, Get up and eat. So he looks around and he finds on a hot stone freshly baked bread and a jar of cool water. So he eats and he lays down. He lies down again and he goes back to sleep. Then the angel wakes him up again and says get up and eat some more or the journey ahead of you will be too much so he eats some more it says in the bible the bread and water that he was given from the angel sustained him for 40 days and 40 nights as he traveled from mount Sinai or from judah to mount Sinai. now just for a wee bit of context that's 200 miles like that's a pretty long way I wouldn't walk 200 miles even if I had food and water every day. But you know, he kind of does this in the Middle and the Middle Eastern sun. It's hot, but he does this for the next 200 miles. I think it's fair to say that this is not the path that Elijah had expected. Now we don't really get to hear Elijah's inner monologue, but let's, let's recap. Let's just put yourself in Elijah's shoes there for a second. God asked him to do something for this like great epiphany of God's kingdom, and he does it in the two altars. He nearly gets murdered for it. He becomes depressed. He goes into the desert. And God shows up in his despair and then he asks him to walk 200 miles. Now, I'm not going to lie. Like, Elijah's pretty good, but like, I don't know if I would really want to be in his shoes. And we forget that these heroes in the Bible were human just like you and I, with fears and love and worries and plans. And his response show his, shows his humanity. But there is so much about what God does in this moment that shows his compassion. And God's characteristics. And the three things that I want to talk about today, just for suspense, I'm going to take and water. Those three things are God's provision, the miracle, and the supernatural of heaven, and God's invitation. So provision, supernatural, and God's invitation. What happens when you're on the path and it completely changes? let's take provision in the supernatural. God's response was so much more than just have faith, you know, keep on keeping on. Have you ever had that? We we're in the situation and someone's like, you know, just have some more faith. And you're kind of like, I'm really defeated by that answer, if I'm honest. Like I am, like I really want to have faith and I do have faith, but there is a part of what I'm going through that's really, really practical. And I really need you to be there for me. His response was so much more than that. His response was sleep, food, water, sleep food, water, like I can get on board with that, can you not? (laughs) Like that's pretty good. But Elijah was so fatigued and so discouraged with the burden of life of the last season. Like we can all hear that, can you not? Like you are burdened of this last season. You just want everything to open up. You want things to be back to normal. You don't want to have to sit two distance away. You don't have to wear your mask. And you know what? That's only the surface level. I don't even know half of the things that you're going through. And he wandered into the wilderness and he said, Lord, I have had enough. And you know what is so beautiful about this? That God isn't disappointed in Elijah's reaction to pressure and his depression. It's fair to say that Elijah is in a state of depression. And God's response is so beautiful. He saw his child in need and Elijah called out and came to him, or Elijah called out and God came to him with angels, with food. Like, doesn't get any better than that, you know? Wouldn't that be amazing? I feel like if God were to show up to me, would bring a roast chicken dinner. That would be, like, my thing, you know? Like, for Elijah, it was bread and water, but, you know, I would be like, God, I'd really love a roast chicken dinner. You know, you can think about what yours would be and maybe ask God for that. I don't know what you need. But, um, but that sounds pretty good. God, where are you in the midst of my situation? Are we even on the same path? Just on a side note, a lot of people think that talking about your feelings and your emotions are not appropriate in church or in your faith. And I have to say that I wholeheartedly, with every part of my being, disagree with that. How you respond to life is a very, very holy interaction. How you choose to respond reflects who you are. It also reflects the climate of what God is doing in your own life. It reflects the identity that God gave to you. And as you do a deep work inside you, as you do, as you dig deep, and as you go to those places, God will bless you for that. As you step into more of who you are, that we become more godly because of that. If my parents were only to respond to me in anger or dismissal or disappointment, I'm not going to lie, I don't think my first thing would be love. Like I don't think I would be like, yeah, they really, really love me. That would not be it. Peter Scorsese. in his book, I had a real panic because I keep calling him Peter Scorsese. <laughs> That's just so not his name. Like, all right, it right. Peter Scorsese. <laughs> I do that all the time. We did a, a sermon series in this a couple of years back, and I made that mistake, I think, every week. And Andy was like, that is not his name. I'm like, I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Anyhow. He wrote a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and it is a great book. It's probably been one of the books in my 20s that I have just devoured. It's been really, really good just to figure out who I am in my, not only my emotions, but my spirituality. And if you want to go deeper in that, those two things are really linked, more linked than we think. But he says, I believe that the walls that we hit on our journey with God are gifts from Him. He is changing and broadening our understanding of what it means to be Christ's followers in the 21st century. In ways far more than radical, far more radical than we ever dreamed. Like Abraham, he is taking us on a journey with many twists and turns, in order that that deep experiential life changes might make you and I, make, might take place in you and I through Christ Jesus. We are formed by this life, but we are also formed by Jesus. And whenever you bring those two things together, you actually have this beautiful merging of what God is doing and how you live that out in your life. Moments and seasons of life that seem difficult and overwhelming are never something that we welcome. And the reality is that usually these moments teach us more about our dependence on God than our seasons of joy and ease. Now, if you find yourself getting really frustrated at me saying that, that trials and tribulations in life are a gift, I get that. That's okay. You do not have to think that that is a gift if you are in one right now and if it doesn't feel like that. And I would encourage you to take some time with your trusted people in your life to kind of journey through that with you. Or if you do need someone to talk to you about that, you can contact any of our staff team or our pastoral team for pastoral guidance as we continue to pray for you in that as well. So if that is where you are, if you are in something in life that just feels like you're stuck, you're not sure how to move through it, then we as a team of people, as pastors who absolutely want to see you thrive in the kingdom of God, that we would love to take time to do that with you. What is your response to life's difficulties and trials? God was not angry at Elijah, at Elijah's emotion. And as I said that he wasn't disappointed either. And provision comes here with food, water and sleep. Rest in all forms. And if you want to find out more about rest, Stu touched on that last week as we take rest and how that, that actually restores our soul. And something I've reflected on Is how God didn't make the food appear on its own. And I don't know why, I just love this part in the story probably the most, is that he sent an angel and the angel gave him the food. He fell back to sleep. He woke up again and the angel was still there with the food. I think it's safe to assume that that angel stayed while Elijah slept. Sleeped. Slept. Sorry. While Elijah slept. It's safe to assume that he stayed there the whole time that what a source of comfort and protection in the midst of crisis. That God not would not only care for you in your physical needs, but he says, I'm actually going to send an angel which, is, which carries my presence, that it might be close to you, that it might be intimate, that it might watch over you and protect you. Provision in all forms. That God did not leave him on his own when he called out. What a beautiful picture of God's goodness and God's provision. And lastly, because we're coming to the end of our time, God's invitation. We often think that our emotional downfalls highlight our failures and all of our insecurities. And in reality here, they reminded Elijah of his dependence on God. God showed him exactly what to do, exactly where to go, and they continued on the path and in the story together. God's deepest desire is that we, his children, would know his provision, that we would welcome his miracles and accept his invitation to build the kingdom. The supernatural, I'm not sure if you've ever welcomed it into your life, but I'm fairly sure that if bread and water can sustain you, 40 days and 40 nights, there is something incredibly miraculous about that. That God's provision showed up in every way that Elijah needed it to. God invites you and I to join with him on this path, whatever circumstance we are in. There is no situation that he does not desire to be a part of in your life. No matter how embarrassed or ashamed or guilty that you feel about it, no matter how depressed it might make you feel no matter how anxious it might make you feel there is nothing in your life that God does not want to break into God has something for you in every season and every season forms us in a certain way and we can either walk with God within that or we can walk just in the opposite direction but I guarantee you that if you show up with God honestly the way that Elijah did that he will teach you something, that he will form you into his likeness because of it. And you know what's beautiful? He will not, he, he doesn't say, you know, obviously oh, you're going through that thing, so we'll just not use you for anything. You know, you just take a wee time out. He does not say that. He gives you all that you need. He comes and he sits with you. He protects you, he provides for you, and he says, let's, let's journey it together. The path that you're on, that you feel so lonely and desperate in, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to sit with you. And I'm going to be there with you. And as the good shepherd looks after his sheep, so God will be that for you. The difficulty of desert seasons or tough seasons is that we, fi- we feel very, very vulnerable and weak. You don't feel strong or you don't feel your most strong. Um, and you don't really feel like asking God, God, what do you have for me here? You, know? you don't go with that posture. Not, if you do, that's incredible. It takes me a away while to get there. I, it's usually on, upon reflection, but if you have the courage to do that, to ask God in the season that you're in, God, what do you have for me here? Something I noticed about Elijah and Psalm 23 and the Psalms in general is not their absence of difficulty, but their honesty in difficulty before God. If you hear one thing this morning, if you've tapped out, come back into the room. That's the one thing that I would love for you to take away. It is not the absence of difficulty in your life. God does not keep you from that. As beautiful as that might be, that is not what he does, but he walks with you in it if you show up honestly in your life before God. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of sitting with a couple in our community before Easter called John and Leslie Hall, and a lot of you will know them, and you might have seen um, their story, and we posted it on our socials um, and just on YouTube if you want to go back and watch that. And what they have journeyed over the last year has just been just really, really deep grief, you know, losing close family and friends, and John has been journeying what it means, like, means to live with cancer. And if you haven't had a chance to watch it, I would encourage you to go and do that because they don't speak of how God fixed everything. And that would be really beautiful if he did. But they talk of how God journeyed with them in every moment of it, how they showed up with him honestly in the days that it just felt like, God, this is hard. This is really, really tough. And God broke in because God is a God that provides. He will give you all that you need and he will come through for you. God journeys every moment of your life with you, regardless of how distant you feel with Him. Does the band want to come up as we come to a close? One of the things that I want to ask you this morning is do you go to God with your honesty? If I'm being really honest, you know, it takes me a wee while to get there, it's not my first response. It takes me a little while to go there. And David in Psalm 23 paints God as our good, good shepherd, the one who is close to the flock, knowing the needs and the wanderings of every single person that is there. This beautiful picture is exactly how Jesus cares for you, that he is close, that he is near, That he cares about every detail and every situation in your life. Now you might not have had an angel show up to you with bread and water if you had i would love to hear that story but what is happening is god is showing himself to elijah in times of trouble and disappointment he might show up to you in completely different ways a moment in his presence presence the gift of a conversation with a friend the love and the goodness found in worship which we are just about to do what is happening here is god is breaking into elijah's situation But it first took Elijah to call out to God because God is not a God of force. He's God of care and a God of love. And he will come whenever you cry out to him. Whenever you say, Lord, I am done. And you know what? Usually he meets us when we are at the end of ourselves. When we stop trying to fix everything ourselves, when we stop trying to do that solely on our own strength, God comes in and says, but I will give you all that you need. How are you inviting God into this season of life that you are in? How is he forming you on this path? We're going to worship now. And as we do that, and as the band play, I'd love for you to stand if you're able. Together for just the last five minutes of our gathering, and um, sometimes whenever we are in worship or responding, we might put our hands or our heart, we might put our hands out. And really, all we're doing there is, a, is an outward expression of an inward change in our lives. If you feel comfortable this morning, how we're going to respond is I felt like Jesus asked me just to read the Psalm again to take everything that we reflected on the life of Elijah, and you have to believe that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament and the God of now. What he did for Elijah, he will do for you. The closeness, that intimacy, that what you need, that crying out to God, that he is our shepherd and that he will be with us. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This morning in pre-service prayer, um, as Ian and Angie prayed for me, um, I got this sense that there's maybe a few people in the room or if you're watching at home and or maybe even just one person where you genuinely just don't believe that God would show up for you like Elijah would or like he did for Elijah you really genuinely in your heart of hearts believe that God has forgotten about you and he doesn't see you and he doesn't love you love to be able to pray with you this morning or have a conversation with you this week to be able to pray for that because that is not who God is every child, every person matters incredibly to God that what you feel in your loneliness he wants to break into you and he wants you to know this morning that this is the way he is doing that he is calling you out he is not giving me your name because he's kind and he's good and he loves you Heavenly Father we just pray that your presence would come that as we go throughout our week and as we go throughout our days that we would remember that you love us, that you are for us, that you are provision that you desire to see the supernatural in our lives and that you invite us to walk the path with you so we go before you we go before your throne and we just hand it over and we pray that this week that we would see your kingdom come in more ways than what we could ever possibly think or imagine we pray these things in your holy and precious name